Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Uh, we always appreciate the opportunity to speak with Professor Gordon Holden, who's the executive director of the China Institute at the University of Alberta. Professor Holden, very familiar with China. He lived there for some period of time. And last November, led a Canadian delegation, which included former cabinet ministers, to China, where they met with uh, high-ranking uh, Xi government officials. Professor Holden, thank you very much for the time, as always. And now we have the Canadian ambassador to China, Dominic Barton, speaking out more directly than previously about China pushing the world through soft power. I found that unusual from Ambassador Barton, who's been something of vocal cheerleader for the Xi government in Beijing. What are your thoughts on that? Well, fair enough. Um, ambassadors, in my view, venture onto tricky ground when they make public comments. I think perhaps um, Ambassador Barton's public quiet was in reaction to Ambassador McCallum, who preceded him, who, if you recall, um, made remarks which were supportive of Madame Meng, who had been arrested. That's uh, true. Was offside of the Prime Minister, and that led to his ousting pretty quickly. So my right. guess is that the instincts of Ambassador Barton were to uh, keep his head low. Um, I don't mind Ambassador speaking out, frankly. Of course, it cuts both ways. If our ambassador is going to make public criticism of China, fair enough. Now, that will mean that their ambassador here, has, which has already done so, will do so as well. They led on that, though, did they not? It was the Chinese ambassador to Canada who led with criticism of this country. Absolutely. And his predecessor, uh, Ambassador um, uh, Liu, was much more outspoken even than the current one, who is, um, I've met them both, I've met Barton. Um, this is the new Chinese diplomacy, which is much more uh, outspoken. Some people call it the, the wolf warrior, the sort of sort of Chinese term for uh, we're not going to sit back, we're going to push back. And, and that's not in the traditional Chinese style. It tended to be very proper, quiet uh, diplomacy. That's not been the case recently, particularly under Xi Jinping. They're much more aggressive, uh, and we've seen that in Canada, and, we, and you've seen it elsewhere. There are a few exceptions. Ambassador Sway, Ambassador to the United States, is the old school, and he doesn't say a lot. But in general, their representatives are becoming much more bullshy. Um, how does the Xi regime, I've asked you this before, but given what's been happening with the, uh, with the ambassador, Ambassador Barton speaking out and, uh, and Mr. Trudeau now speaking more about China needing to be investigated at some point down the road, how does the Xi uh, regime view the Canadian government now? I know they dislike the Australians immensely because the Australian Prime Minister has been very blunt in his negative assessments of China's pandemic-related and other actions. How do they see us? Well, I think they had high hopes for uh, Prime Minister Trudeau and hope to get a free trade agreement. All that is is uh, water under the bridge and long gone. Uh, they have fond memories of his father, who was the one, of course, who established relations with China. So I think they're probably disappointed at, at the trend. The man among thing caught them unawares, and that is a burr on their side, to mix my metaphors. It's not gone away and is not going away anytime soon. So we're locked in, in negativity. But I don't think they think about us every day. We'd like to think they do, but they don't. And we're a pretty minor factor. They're much more cautious, in my view, about President Trump. Uh, I think they supported his, him as, a, as opposed to Hillary Clinton. But he's very unpredictable, mercurial, and one day he'll praise C and the next day attack him. And I think that makes him nervous. But for us, 
I think they're they're disappointed. They'd like to have a better uh, relationship, to be sure. But events just haven't turned out that way for a bunch of reasons, including COVID-19. What is their ultimate objective? I'm pretty confident they want to be, at a minimum, uh, equal in standing in the United States. I mean, the strategy of Deng Xiaoping went before was, you know, bide your, build your strength and bide your time. In other words, keep quiet, low profile. That's not Xi Jinping. I think his view is now China's arrived. Um, we're going we're gonna to show our muscle. I think they want to be the equivalent, at least, of the United States. And they may be looking forward, it's possible, to a time when the Chinese economy will be far larger than that of the United States and that uh, China can, in effect, achieve a position of being the dominant power. Although, in my view, we're looking at a sort of a bipolar world, the two of them, for quite a while. Is it, uh, is it wise, and I ask this because we, what we know about China's behavior during the uh, initial phases of the pandemic when they didn't inform the world for some period of days about what was really going on in China, and Sam pointing out, Sam Cooper uh, and his investigative work on the, uh, on the PPE that they acquired, some 2.5 billion pieces, without telling, again, the world what was going on. We now have Canada, a significant major medical facility in this country, working in cooperation with a Chinese laboratory to create a COVID-19 vaccine. Is, is, it, is it wise for us to be um, working with, with a Chinese lab in this regard? Well, we certainly don't want to put all of our eggs in one basket, and particularly a Chinese basket. Um, there's over 100 vaccines under development, I understand. My fear is that whichever gets the first one that will work, they're going to look after their own population first, of course, and that would certainly be true of China. It would be true of the United States, and quite frankly, it should be true of Canada, too. Now, if this manufacturer is done in Canada, or we have control over it, uh, that's fine by me. Whoever comes up with the best formula, let's use it. In fact, I would argue, uh, I'm not naive, I don't think any things, but there ought to be sharing. In other words, if there's going to be a hundred different varieties developed, there ought to be a protocol, an international protocol, where if you've got one that works, you bloody better share it with everybody else, yes. not them manufacture it as well, as opposed to trying to profit off being the first to have something that works, looking after yeah. your own folks, and let the rest of us uh, be out of luck. Because the chances that Canada has the first one is probably not that great. Uh, but manufacturing a good formula here, I don't care really, I suppose, if it's Chinese American, best of it is Canadian, uh, but we want to be able to go forward quickly with whatever works. Yeah, the question is, can we trust China to work cooperatively and truthfully with uh, with us and with the rest of the world? I agree with you. There should probably be some kind of clearinghouse for all of these uh, vaccines, and maybe the World Health Organization could have fulfilled that particular role, but they're now being uh, vigorously questioned. Uh, at least by the United States and by by other nations as well. Speaking of the United States, does the U.S. have a Trump card? No, no pun intended. Does the U.S. have a Trump card to play in their relation with China? Well, it's a good question. I think, quite frankly, both have a, more of a capacity to hurt each other than to help each other. And uh, we may be sliding towards a new Cold War. That's possible. Um, first part of my career was at the old Cold War, and it ended in the best possible way. The good guys won the West. Uh, Soviet Union went to sleep. There was no nuclear exchange, no, no nuclear holocaust. Um, in some ways, it couldn't be better, but it, maybe it wasn't inevitable it would end that way. I'm nervous about the expense and danger of going that road again. We may have no choice. I don't know. But I think at this point, China's strong enough. The U.S. 
doesn't have the capacity to cripple at will by economic means or measures development of China. I think they've broken out. They've got a lot of friends in the third world, and I think they're going to contend. I think this century may well be a, a long period, have a long period of contention between those great powers. My great hope, for the sake of my children and grandchildren, is it remains peaceful. I hope so, too. And uh, there has been talk, and it has originated with China, of potential military confrontation with the United States, whether that's bluster or or whether there's actually meat on that bone. Who knows? I hope not. Uh, Professor Holden, it's always good talking to you. Thank you for the time. Thank you for your time and uh, and all your listeners. Thank you. Take care. Professor Gordon Holden from uh, the University of Alberta, the executive director of the China Institute. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.